0: Hey, Bitch Talkers. This is episode 196 of the Bitch Talk podcast. We are live from the bar Dalva in the Mission, right next to the Roxy, right before another screening of one of our favorite web series called Brown Girls. We just had on the development executive at Open TV, Amar Jean Christian, although I like Frenching it up and saying Jean Uh, (laughs) Christian. But he was a joy, um... He was cool. He was here before us at the bar drinking his tequila. So I was
1: like, all right, he can roll. He can roll with us. Yeah, he's a, he's a mover and a shaker, man. He's making shit happen in Chicago. Yeah. Really impressive.
0: He's also, uh, he's also a doctor. So when I first met him, I, I introduced myself. I'm like, oh, Dr. Christian, how are you? <laughs> how are
1: you? <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Hey, you got to butter him up. But he was really sweet and um, smart guy. Just He's been talking about web series development He said before 2014, but those are the articles I found um, online that he wrote. Um, But really fun, and I'm excited about Brown Girls. You know, we interviewed uh, Fatima and Nabila a few months ago for CamFest, and now they're just doing big things. Uh, Just uh, uh, Fatima and her um, director, Sam, just, I guess, I, I mean... Amar talked about it, but signed some really great deal with HBO in terms of, I'm I'm guessing writing and directing, so. (sighs) The girls can dream.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see what comes of it, and I'm, I'm sure they've kept a lot of creative control over the show. Um, but I'm excited what comes of it, because if you watch it on open TV, you can watch it right now for free. Uh, you know, some episodes are eight minutes, some are 10, some are 12 minutes. I mean, that, that freedom allows her as a poet, uh, um, Fatima as a poet. And, and you can totally sense that with the series, like the, the way that they talk, the pacing, the timing of everything. So I'm interested to see what happens once HBO gets its hands on it and, and how that changes and, and hopefully doesn't alter too much.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just have to actually give props to Frameline for letting Bitch Talk uh, be a community sponsor for um, the Woke Woman mixtape, which actually um, had two titles under it. Uh, it was BKPI and 195 Lewis, who 195 Lewis has been up on our Instagram game. Hey, guys, holler. They hollered at us. I hollered at them. So go support your local uh, film festival especially during Pride Month. So um, I'm excited for Frameline. I also want to let you guys know that you can look at all of the Bitch Talk podcasts on the beautiful bitchtalkpodcast.com website. It's completely up to date. You can find all 194 podcasts up on that bitch and um, just holler at us go find us and and come say hi we're doing a lot of things and I'm getting emails from friends and and people that are like you guys are doing big things out there I'm like yeah we're hustling so the hustle is real and we're doing it so enjoy our uh, chat with Amar Jean Christian I'll say it properly and um, please go see Brown Girls while it's still free hey bitch talkers this is another special edition live on the road, Bitch Talk. How are you? We uh, are lucky enough to be co-presenting at Frameline, uh, a favorite web series of ours called Brown Girls. And, uh, you know, they're kind of taking off now. There's a lot of chit-chat around Hollywood and maybe HBO uh, about this series that we got really excited about. So once we heard that that was happening and that one of the producers was going to be at Frameline, we're like, you got to be on. So we have Amar (laughs) Jean-Christian, because I like the French version of his name, also known as Dr. Christian, also known as just Amar, but he's here from Brown Girls, and we just wanted to welcome you. Um, So welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much, and I will say that Frameline did make a mistake in my designation. I'm not a producer on Brown Girls. I am basically their first development executive.
0: Oh, so you're executive. All right.
2: (laughs) Like not an executive, but that's the way to think about me. Yeah.
0: All right. All right. Well, I was I was Googling around and I couldn't find producer anywhere else. So I'm like, I'm going to go with frame lines title, but you're the executive. So um, I guess the first question is for our guests. um, How did you get involved with Brown Girls?
2: Yeah. So I um, am running a project called Open TV Beta out of Northwestern as a research project, and the idea is to experiment with different ways to develop television that center folks who've been historically marginalized from the industry and also from a research perspective gain insight into what development looks like, helping with production, exhibition online in Chicago, et cetera. We work with all Chicago-based artists. And you know, Sam Bailey, the director of Brown Girls, is from Chicago, and we actually debuted Open TV with Sam's first series, You're So Talented, a story about a young woman of color finding herself and her footing um, in Chicago. And so um, Fatima Oscar, I also knew in Chicago who wrote Brown Girls. She's a poet um, and I you know, worked with her on the Chicago Home Theater Festival. So she knew about Open TV, she knew about Sam and, and You're So Talented and I think she'd been writing Brown Girls, but seeing Sam Bailey produce two seasons of You're So Talented you know, on an indie budget and doing it so well really motivated her to move forward with Brown Girls so she invited me and Sam to a reading of Brown Girls in early 2016 with the idea that Sam would direct and produce and Open TV would distribute Um, and that's exactly what happened
1: Wow Uh, and just just to go back to Open TV right Uh, uh, how did you how did you launch it how do you get the funding for these shows because these are shows that I, I feel like people are starving for these are stories for uh, uh, people that that we don't see ourselves on on the screen and that's why you've created Open TV. So how do you fund it and how can people get in touch with you and and create these shows themselves?
2: Absolutely, so Open TV is a research project. It really came out of years of research that I did understanding the web series market. I interviewed over 100 web series producers and asked them, how you make your show? How do you get the word out? And what I found out was that they were really innovating in the development process. The process by which shows, uh, television networks, excuse me, select what shows to license and distribute. Um, they were going around the network executives and piloting shows in collaboration with uh, other producers, fan communities, and sometimes even brands themselves who are fleeing television, right, and wanted um, to get around the 30 second spot. So I started Open TV because I was like, you know, we need independent distribution platforms on the web that center intersectional identities and don't just try to target communities like Hollywood does, like BETs only for black people, right? Or women's entertainment only for women or logos only for cisgender, white, gay, and lesbian people. Um, So, you know, I wanted to see, like, can we create a network that really is for everyone who's marginalized and what would that look like? So that's my research question. And so Northwestern funds Open TV to supply the data to answer that research question. So we make TV to understand, from a research perspective, how to make TV, if, if you will, on a small scale, on a local level, and in an identity-focused way. So we have these variables. We're doing things differently from Hollywood. And my idea is to compare and contrast. We're doing it this way. Hollywood does it this way. What kind of value can we generate from this process versus the value that Hollywood um, says that it generates?
1: What, what I love about Open TV is um, a, a lot of excuses for Hollywood not... Identifying or having stories about people like us is because it's not relatable, right, in quotations. But what you're doing in your research is showing actually the opposite. Like, people actually want stories that are relatable, and what we're seeing is, is the opposite, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, relatability is a concept that's been very tricky for Hollywood, right, because it's associated with this... You know, we want a universal story that appeals to everybody. And what they lost because they had mass distribution, they had control over distribution so they could govern what how stories were told. Now with the Internet, anyone can tell their story and they're realizing actually specificity is relatable, right? I was just talking about this with a friend before this, that actually people relate to stories that seem real and real stories are messy and complicated and all of your racial, gender, sexual, class, you know, your disability, your access to citizenship, all of these factors in your life come into play and people glom glom onto that. They're like, oh, that's real because there's that moment that couldn't have been made up by anybody right it's not watered down to appeal to everybody it's actually about someone's experiences and that's interesting Um, so I think Brown Girls is a really great example of that because it's at once very specific and yet it gets at those moments that many of us have and I think that's just what good storytelling is so my job is really just to help people tell whatever story they want to tell I don't give creative notes I'm not trying to make any story broad I'm really just trying to say how can we tell your story as best as we can
0: so when you saw brown girls uh, for the first time or just, you know, in writing, were you like, well, wait, let's just make this white girls?
2: <laughs> That's already on the... A- I
0: mean, you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're an executive, right? No, I'm just kidding.
2: Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, in Fati's script, it says that none of the characters will be cast as white, that it has to all be people of color. And I think, you know, that decision was complicated, I think, in part, You know, there's so many talented actors of color who don't get to have these roles, so they're underrepresented, and I think they thought, well, we can actually showcase a lot of talent that isn't seen, and why not do that, right? Um, I think also there's just so many more shows for white women versus women of color. Um, It makes sense, both from a story perspective and a marketing perspective, to center those folks. So um, I thankfully did not have to give Fatih one note about anything in that show. I really thought it was kind of perfect from script stage. And Sam talks about this as well. I mean, I think they talked about making minor changes, but um, I just let those women do what they do. And I think it's a real Testament to the role of what the development executives should be doing these days, including at Netflix and Amazon. You know, there were 455 scripted shows on major platforms last year, you know, there's too many stories being told to try and reshape what artists are doing. Just let them do it, and you'll sink or swim based on creativity alone.
0: Um, so I was I was looking at your blog, and I was just stalking you online. And uh, you were already talking about web series in 2014. Um, I, it, how did you know this was going to be the future?
2: Um, well, I didn't. But I actually, really, when I started this work, I. Didn't think everyone was talking about how they're going to change television, and I actually didn't really believe them. Um, I kind of was like, "Yeah, that's cute." I think you know this is probably going to remain marginal. And then as I was interviewing people, they were getting development deals. You know, I was interviewing Issa Rae before she got her HBO deal. I interviewed Abby and Alana before they got their Comedy Central deal. The High Maintenance folks before they got their HBO deal. Um, and it really was a testament to their creativity and their ability to speak to communities and mobilize them that just they proved to the industry that they were doing television outside of the television industry um i was just more interested in like how stories are told without an institutional infrastructure um and it was just remarkable to for me to see that people actually built an infrastructure outside of hollywood completely on their own i mean like Nobody knew what they were doing. You know, they were just trying to be real with people. Um, so I didn't know, but I'm happy that other folks did the work because they proved my theory for me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, what, what, what I was going to say that I, uh, I love about Brown Girls is, the, as you said, that the timing, the pace. It's, it is a comedy. It's funny, but it, it's not rushed. It just there's something so natural about it, and, and Chicago with Chicago as a backdrop, which also we don't see a lot of stories about Chicago, and it, it's kind of a love story to Chicago as well, and, and and you you living there, I mean it's that's what makes it really special to me.
2: Yeah, I mean they shot all of it in Pilsen, which is a historically Mexican neighborhood that's being gentrified right now. So I think they were thinking about you know where do artists in Chicago live right now, and especially what neighborhoods feel welcoming to artists of color, and. Pilsen is one of those neighborhoods right now. Um, so they wanted to sort of capture Pilsen in this moment because in 10, 20 years, it might not be the same. You know, I think of like we're here in San Francisco. I think of Barry Jenkins, who did Moonlight, his first film, Medicine.
0: That's our buddy. So we interviewed him. Yeah,
1: Friend of, friend of the show.
2: Oh, wonderful. Yeah. You know, I thought that f- that film was so beautiful in so many ways and really captures this moment where black people were wondering, is San Francisco going to be for us? And I think that film is so prophetic. Um, brown girls might be the same way, but I was talking to someone else and they were saying that like, oh, I saw brown girls and I didn't even know where it was shot because so many times when we, people shoot in Chicago, they shoot downtown. Like if it's a big film about Chicago, they shoot downtown in the loop and maybe old town, like in the near gentrified sub like areas. The Chicago shows do shoot around Chicago. Um, Especially like Chicago PD, Chicago Fire. But they feel sort of like they're shooting where they can maybe. Empire shoots in Chicago, but it shoots Chicago for New York. So I think...
0: I was going to say, I had no idea it was shot in Chicago because it feels like New York.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so Chicago's used as a kind of proxy for New York a lot. Um, So a lot of open open TV shows shoot in Chicago, and we mostly shoot in neighborhoods that are underrepresented. So it's really great to be able to show... A city, um, and to encourage other filmmakers to document their own cities, right? To like, not just don't just go to New York or LA to shoot your sh- films.
1: Don't try to be something else.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, be who you are, and be of the place that you are.
0: So we have to wrap up because time is a in But I do have a question about HBO and Brown Girls. Can you shed any light on what's happening? Because we're really excited for you guys. It's this is a big step. So, anything you want to drop, feel free. It's an exclusive on Bitch Talk.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I can exclusively say that I am not involved with these (laughs) negotiations. It's not even that I'm not allowed. It's like part of Open TV is that our artists keep the intellectual property and our distribution agreements are non exclusive. You know, we're we're a platform that's about empowering artists. So, you know, Sam and Fatih and their management team negotiated that really without my help. I mean, the way I helped was just making sure that they had access to their viewership numbers so they could communicate that if the executives were interested. Um, I can say that they have a good deal. I don't know the specifics of it, but there was a lot of interest in the show, so they won't sit around in development waiting to find out whether or not they have the series order. I think they came in with a strong position, and they have clearly demonstrated that they have an audience and that they have a mastery of the narrative, so I feel like they um, should be confident going into development with HBO, Um, and I think, you know, we'll see what happens, but I am very confident that it will see a life beyond the web series um, in a fuller vision.
1: Yeah, but you provided the platform, so (laughs) I'm going to give credit. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to thank you for your work and for being part of the movement because it's so important, and clearly people are starving for for this, and so thank you. So, yeah,
0: thank you so much for your time, and uh, I'm sure we're going to see you again, probably San Francisco Film Festival maybe, Mill Valley Film Festival. Come on through.
2: Yeah, I want to come back for sure. This is really my first time exploring the city. It's so beautiful. Um, I want to really get to know (laughs) y'all.
0: We'll we'll welcome you back maybe in the studio next time with maybe some
2: brown liquor if you want. (laughs) Oh, perfect. I'm more of a tequila girl, but you know.
0: (laughs) We can do tequila too. So Amar Jean Christian. I know, it's Jean Christian. Uh, This is Bitch Talk, and thanks so much for being here.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to Bitch Talk. Uh, Thanks to Amar Jean-Christian, an executive from Open TV who was really the first platform that Brown Girls was presented on. So thanks for his time. Thank you to Frameline for uh, letting Bitch Talk community partner on at least, really, three titles. Um, It's BKPI, 195 Lewis and Brown Girls. So thanks, you guys. And um, look for a repost on our Facebook page of Brown Girls so you know what that is and where you can see it while it's still free, y'all, because they have an HBO deal. So you know how that goes. And um, we have a lot coming up in July, and we cannot believe that June's over. So (laughs) on that note, bitch, please.